Welcome to the ONS Energy Talks, a podcast where you meet experts on energy, technology, and sustainability. Hello, and welcome uh, to a podcast by Learn and ONS Energy Talks. My name is Sylvia Seres. Our topic is energy, and my guest today is Liv Hovem the CEO of DMVGL Oil and Gas Division. Welcome, Liv. Thank you very much, Silvia. Nice to be here. Great to be here, actually. <laughs> it's very good to have you here. I'm um, a fan of yours from uh, our joint work in DMVGL. Thank you. And uh, I would like you to help us understand a little bit more about the changing oil and gas business, really, and how technology plays a vital role there. Before we do that... Uh, I would like to invite you to say a few words about who you are and why you do what you do. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Liv. I'm uh, 54 years old. Uh, I have been with DNV G GL actually my whole career. So I'm celebrating 30 years now. Uh, and uh, being in DNV GL for 30 years was never a plan. But I was so fortunate that when I was uh, studying at NTNU in Trondheim, structural engineering, that I was invited for a talk to a potential recruitment. And then I... Uh, and you, you stuck. And I was stuck. <laughs> but I mean, it's been a choice, a deliberate choice almost every day because it's not like, uh, it's not like laziness or anything. It's more that the things we do, there's such big variation. Uh, and I love uh, also have an international perspective. Um, I've been uh, able to work very technical, but also now in leadership, uh, project management in maritime, in oil and gas. So it's been a fantastic uh, journey. Uh, why I chose a technical education, I think that was, uh, I think that was, I mean, grew up in Trondheim, my father a professor at university. Actually, we're all siblings, we're all engineers. Uh, my husband is an engineer, his siblings are engineers. So I think we are a little bit, uh, yeah techie uh, in our uh, in our heads i think having tech technical uh, basis for education is very useful because it gives you a very structured way of approaching problems in the world and maybe some technology optimism yes, and then if you in addition have a really good kind of social gene mm. which makes you what shall i say both communicate it well and and care about the effects of that technology like you do mm. i think the yeah, combination think, is great yeah and i also like engineers i like the people that work with these problems so that's uh, very that's, no nonsense yeah exactly it's too fact oriented and yeah very i like it a lot yeah but live um during your time in dvgl you lived abroad for a while or not no i've been living in oslo all the time and uh and that's also in a way a de deliberate choice we are two career um family um, and having children, I mean, Norway is absolutely the best place, I think, mm. to, to work with uh, both parents working a lot and having life uh, work children. balance. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's practical. I mean, we yeah. don't work uh, a little, but we have the flexibility to work when we when we are able to work. I, I moved to Norway for the same reason. <laughs> Uh, life is short and you have to live it as a whole, yeah, not exactly. as a fractured, fractured um, kind of set of pieces. Uh, but you do travel a lot because yes. DMVGL is one of the most international companies we have in Norway. Yeah, I travel a lot. And that has also been a, a little bit in, in phases. Now, uh, having had the role I have now the last year, it's been a lot of uh, travels because I really uh, enjoy meeting the people in my organization. So meeting the people and also the clients. And I, I actually enjoy, I enjoy traveling as well, but there has to be a balance. I, I also love being at home and doing the skiing and being alone and all that stuff. 
Norwegian stuff. Norwegian stuff. So DMVGL does uh, shipping, does oil and gas, does energy, does business insurance, and you're responsible for the oil and gas oil division. And gas. What does it do? Oil and gas, well, very techy said, we do uh, risk advisory and assurance services to that industry. What does that mean in practice? Um, we do various things, but maybe the things we are mostly known for and which is interesting now is the technology qualification that we do. So we ensure that technology that is developed for various reasons, that that uh, is actually uh, reliable and safe and sustainable uh, to use it and to, to uptake it. Protecting life. Uh. Yeah, our, uh, <laughs> our, uh, our purpose, the NVGL's purpose, is safeguarding life, property and the environment. Yeah. And that has been the purpose for more than 150 years. So that's uh, quite a sound or solid foundation, which actually means a lot to our engineers. People are driven by that purpose. People come to the MVGL because they believe they can make a difference there. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's fun. So um, oil and gas and technology and the most important trends you see there, what would you say? There are so many trends going on now, and that's why I think this is maybe the most fascinating period that I've been working in the NVGL. Because, I mean, we obviously have the big, big uh, challenge of climate change and oil and gas uh, having to be part of that solution to, to solve that challenge. Uh, we have within the oil and gas industry a very uh, competitive environment. So everybody in the industry needs to be really lean and efficient and, and cost efficient. And then, of course, on top of that, we have uh, all the opportunities that the new digital uh, technologies bring us up, brings us. And really, I think of, of that part, the digital technologies as an enabler to actually be able to solve some of the big challenges we have going forward. So climate, climate. efficiency and uh, digital technology yes. and other kind exactly. of enabling technologies around that. Um, if we open up climate um, you know, the, the one and a half uh, degree yeah. goal or two degree goal. So we need to decarbonize and oil and gas is all about car carbon. Well, uh, car carbon, but, but you're saying that we can, we still need oil and gas and we need to produce it in an efficient way. And that's what you can. Yes. So uh, DNVGL, we have launched the energy transition outlook, the forecast for how we see the energy transition unfolding in the, in the future. And we see, along with many others, that uh, there, there will be um, a role for oil and gas to play. Uh, we may not use the oil the same way we use it, but we definitely see a, a role for gas. Gas, we forecast gas to be the, most, the single most important energy source in 2050. Uh, but of course, we also forecast, not a forecast, but we also forecast that even though we have an optimistic uh, future uh, about gas and also the uptake of renewables, it's not enough to meet the carbon and to meet the climate goals. Um, so we would like to see even more uh, being done, of course. So uh, we talk about even more renewables and we need uh, more CCS, carbon capture and storage, and we need um, more energy efficiency in order to meet the climate uh, goals. So there is a kind of a hybrid solution to the to the problem. Yeah, the the thing is that there is no silver bullet. So mm. there is uh, everybody has a job to do. So uh, of course the renewable sector have a job to do because to to move fast on having more renewables. Oil and gas industry also have a have a role uh, or job to do because we have to make sure that what we do has a low carbon footprint. And I also strongly believe that the, the gas has a very important role in the energy transition. As an alternative to coal, maybe? As an alternative for coal, for sure. And that can have an immediate effect. But also, um, 
to balance the intermittency of renewables. So in a, a storage, explain that a storage role. Well, the the renewable energies are um, are uh, more in uh, well they're more f- they fluctuate due to the sun and the wind not if, always. If running. there is no sun and, and no, no wind, wind mm-hmm. we need something that can come in and actually produce the electricity or energy that we need. And their gas can be uh, an important balance balancing the whole energy system. In addition to batteries, of course. Mm-hmm. But what is really interesting now is uh, is the technology development related to the hydrogen value chain, which means that um, it's possible to take out the CO2 uh, from the gas before it is burned, uh, which means that then uh, it can be hydrogen that is transported and distributed, for example, to the markets in the UK or in the market in Europe, uh, and then storing the CO2 uh, in the North Sea, for example, uh, which means that we actually greenify the whole uh, gas value chain by the hydrogen uh, economy. Mm. That's really interesting. And there is a lot of work going on there now, and uh, especially UK have taken a very strong position there. And DNVGL is involved in the sense that we are, um, we can call it a safety partner. So we help uh, um, assess how safe hydrogen can be. So we are looking into different blends of gas because... um, Hydrogen is a more unstable gas, so it is it's perceived, very inflammable. Yeah, it pre- is perceived as more risky. Mm-hmm. But these are things that can be controlled, and we are looking into burners and uh, pipelines and all the equipment to see the effect that hydrogen has. But we also actually in the UK we have a test site where we actually can do full-scale explosion and blow up things with different gases, and then we can see actually how how strong the, an explosion is uh, and how risky it is, and also how it can be controlled. We also look at leaks. How does hydrogen travel? Uh, if there is a hydrogen leak, how does it come into houses? What is the effect of that? In order to to uh, to make sure that the technology is safe. So and safety of other gases uh, yeah. in addition to, yeah. So um, can you tell us a little bit about digital technology? I mean, I you know, people in general think of that as a completely opposite world from mm. the oil and gas. How do they meet? So they meet, I, I think of it as, um, well, there are many ways of thinking about it. But one way is to um, to think about it as bridging technologies. We talk about the cyber physical systems. Uh, traditionally, we've been thinking about technology as components. But now we see that more of the components are connected together through digital uh, elements and digital tools, which means that we can have more efficient and more... Um, also complex uh, systems and to make an energy system work instead of components uh, that is um, driven by the technology uh, that digital can bring. So uh, balancing an energy grid, for example, that uh, it's forecasted when people use energy, how do we ensure that we have the right energy at the right time, that we have enough storage and balancing that so that we don't need to dimension everything for peaks is one such uh, So this is really market automation In a way, and market yes. tools on top of traditional energy that's supplies. That's what I, yeah. And in addition, of course, there's an opportunity to take off, take, o- take away the human being in risky operations by more robotics and automation. Uh, if we can do more of that, for example, offshore, we don't need to send so many people offshore. And of course, uh, traveling back and forth and having people uh, in risky operation. Is a, is a risk that we can actually eliminate by more um, autonomous... So time. safeguarding lives as well. Again, that. Yeah. yeah. And and you have this fascinating project about digital twins. Yes. Can you say a little bit more about that? 
the many, there are many, many projects about digital twins, and uh, people have different uh, picture of what uh, what is meant by it. But uh, the way we see it is that in every asset has a digital representation, and then by uh, monitoring the condition, for example, of an asset throughout the life, uh, we can have a, a digital representation of this asset, which means that we can, if we need to do a fail. Uh, or or repair or, or test new equipment, we can do it digitalized and simulate it uh, instead of doing physical in real life. So that when we want to uh, um, take use of something new, we have actually tested it before doing it physically, which also reduces the risks. For example, that's a digital, uh, could be a digital. Product. So you use these digital avatars mm. in a way to design, uh, improve, even maintain in some sense? Yeah, so they have the, we have uh, the whole info, all the information during construction, design, building, all that. And then we can use that digital twin to make sure that it is safe through the lifetime by having uh, condition monitoring, performance monitoring, and, and log it on all the equipment on the assets. So um, you mentioned also other technologies to me that, that, that you're excited about, things like 3D printing or additive manufacturing. Where, where does that come into play with energy? <laughs> that is an extremely uh, interesting topic also. I think that comes into uh, the cost efficiency side of it and having uh, the, the right thing at the right moment in time. So say something breaks down on a platform and yes. you can 3D print the, the non-obtainable uh, part. Yeah. So you don't have to wait for three months for it to come. You can print it. But also if there is uh, old equipment, you don't really have the drawings, you can scan the old equipment and have it reprinted. It's very fascinating also if you then combine it with forecasting methodology. We can forecast when things might be worn out and then you can have it printed and available just in time. So it's also a simulation on the digital avatar, yes. not just uh, current data. Exactly. It could be a simulation yeah. as well. And uh, we, have, uh, we are investing quite a lot in, uh, in 3D printing now. We have established a center of excellence in Singapore. Uh, together with the authorities there, because they also have a strategic uh, goal of being uh, in the forefront of 3D printing. And it's, uh, it's, uh, I was there actually last week and I got a presentation on how these printers look and uh, how quickly also that development is going extremely fast. And, uh, and the potential is, uh, is very exciting, I think. Um, you also mentioned things like um, automated drilling operations. You have to say two sentences about why that's important and uh, smarter subsea tie-ins and extras. What, what, what in the world does that mean? So smarter subsea tie-in, I, I can start with that. Um, subsea, I mean, the, given that there is some uncertainty in the oil and gas business going forward, we see that the projects that are invested into are smaller, not the big mega projects that we saw a few years back. And there's a lot uh, of development now on the on the subsea tiebacks and smaller mm. fields. And it's also a drive to make that uh, cost efficient, of course. Um, but if we look at our regulations, uh, our rules, they are developed based on topside um, processes. And topside, there is risk for fire and explosions, and there are also people there. While subsea, there is no uh, risk for fire and explosions, and there are no people there. So there are different rules and regulations that should be applied. And that uh, needs to also be developed together with technology in order, for example, to use um, electrical systems instead of hydraulic systems, which are much, much more expensive. So that's why that's uh, important. Sounds like a lot of cool uh, gadgetry. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, you have to work on, it's not only the technology anymore, it's about rules and regulations, it's about the market, and it's about profit bit, uh, profitability of the projects. And everything comes 
together in a very uh, fascinating way these days. Um, we are running out of time and I think I would like to speak to you for another half an hour at least uh, on these things. So uh, very briefly, the MVGL is a very international company, a 150-year-old company or so with a great sense of urgency actually and, and also a great international uh, footprint. How do you do research internationally on these things or project development? Uh, as I said, the Center of Excellence on Additive Manufacturing is in Singapore. Um, we use 5% of our revenue on, uh, on research and innovation. And our, maybe the strongest muscle we have internationally and with clients is that uh, we uh, initiate a lot of joint industry projects. If we see that there is a challenge that is a relevance to a broader uh, range in the industry, we, um, we can initiate a, a joint industry project and, uh, and help solving that through the research and innovation. I think that's internationally is our strongest force. Our research department is based in Norway, but they also have uh, satellites uh, in different locations. We are about to open a new satellite in China on artificial intelligence uh, with a group of people. So uh, making sure that we are where we see that the exciting things are going on. Liv, if you were to uh, recommend people some reading uh, to understand more about uh, where things are and where things are moving, what would you uh, say? Well, I have to recommend the publication we make ourselves. Uh, and uh, I mentioned the Energy Transition Outlook. Uh, that comes with, um, with supporting documents. Uh, so I think the one on the maritime technology is super exciting. Uh, implication on the oil and gas industry and also the implication on the power systems. These three books. But I, uh, I also would like to mention our Technology Outlook Report, a report we issue every five years. It doesn't go very deep on every every uh, every technology, uh, but it gives a unique broadness. So it gives uh, also a kind of an overview, and then you can dig in more details if you see there are specific things of interest. So this is DMVGL's Technology Outlook Look, Report. Yes. And we are about to re-issue um, that one as well. Excellent. We'll look for that. If you are to leave our listeners or our readers with one um, kind of main idea from what we talked about, I know it's hard, but what, what would you like them to, to, to remember? I think uh, it is so easy to say that we are technology positive and, I'm, uh, and we are technology positive. But it's not only about the technology because there is also, as I said, the market uh, profitability, but ultimately it's about, uh, it's about the people uh, taking the technology in use. I think that's important to remember. Technology is really people. Very good. Liv Hovem, uh, the CEO of the MVGL's Oil & Gas uh, Division, thank you so much for coming here and talking to, to us about energy. Thank you very much. It was nice talking to you, Silvia. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you for listening. <laughs>